Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESP. And let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where we are happy to be joined by David Sampson. He's the former president of the Miami Marlins. He is now the host of the Nothing Personal podcast for CBS Sports. You could, of course, follow him on Twitter at David P. Sampson. David, how are you doing today, my friend? Good. How are you doing? Good to talk to you. Not too shabby, my man. So let's start with what is on everybody's mind today, and that is the negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. What do you think of the players coming out now? And we've seen it from Blake Snell. We saw it yesterday from Bryce Harper, kind of suggesting that they're not happy with what the Major League Baseball owners are proposing to them. Well, I really don't put too much credence in what Blake Snell has to say. I think that he's not exactly a spokesperson for the union. I think that he was playing Twitch and playing video games and was answering a question, and he may be saying what he thinks, but just because he thinks it doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be or the way it is. It reminds me of Aaron Rodgers and J.J. Watt saying, don't sign the CBA to their fellow NFL players, but it passed anyway. I think that the players, more than half of the 1,200 members of the union, understand that a compromise will have to happen, and it's about having good dialogue And I just don't think the way Blake Snell went about it, or Bryce Harper for that matter, is a way to get progress. As far as the players are concerned, how how, what do you think the percentages are as far as the players being worried about the money or the health and risk side of it? Because I just I feel like right now there's a lot of weight being put on the money part of it. But then you do hear with Blake Snell, even though, like you said, not exactly speaking for everyone, but he does mention the health risk. I'm just wondering what the players are thinking more about the money or the health risk. Listen, a couple of years ago when Zika was around, we were supposed to go with the Marlins when I was president of that team a few years ago. We were going to play in Puerto Rico and we had a team meeting and there were a bunch of players who were vociferous that they were scared to go to Puerto Rico and play. And so we changed those games to Miami because they were feared, fearing for their health and for the health of their spouses, girlfriends, or other significant others. Baseball, as an owner, you are not going to put your players in a position where you are endangering their health. You're not going to put your fans in that position. You're not going to put your employees in that position because it's not worth it to do, which is why you heard Rob Manford in a very sort of thoughtful way explain last night that there's going to be an 80-page proposal on how to keep everyone safe. I wrote a little bit about it on CBS Sports this week. And if you as a player aren't comfortable, 
there's nothing we can do. We're going to try to make you comfortable. But if you're not, then you just won't play until you are. That's the mature way to look at this. We're talking with David Sampson. He's the former president of the Miami Marlins here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. David, I am curious because there was a piece earlier today from Ken Rosenthal about uh, what we could be looking at for the for Major League Baseball with revenue sharing this year and the effect that it could have on teams. For here locally in St. Louis, it feels like it could potentially affect the Cardinals in a big way. What did you make of that story from Ken Rosenthal? I think he's right on. As you know, as uh, running the Marlins for all those years, I can tell you that we used revenue sharing to help run our business. Without it, we would not have been able to function or survive. And that is the purpose of revenue sharing. And what's happening now is you have an issue between owners, but you don't hear them talking about it publicly because they want to take care of it internally and not have fans worry about it or focus on it. But when Ken writes an article like that, it gets a lot of attention. You've got big market teams. Teams like the Cardinals are a great example. They've got a very high payroll. They count on gate revenue, much more dependent than we were in Miami where we didn't have much gate revenue. The Cardinals, the greatest fans in the country, filling that place. It was always my favorite road city to go to because that is the passion I always wanted to get out of fans in Miami. But that passion equals dollars. And those dollars go toward the operation of your team and the signing of your players, including, let's say, a Goldschmidt. So not getting revenue sharing or having to pay the same amount that you normally would pay, it's a non-starter for teams like the Cardinals. And they've got to let other teams know that, so it's going to be an argument. Uh, so I would be curious. It, it, let's say that it does go down this path. How do you think that affects the Cardinals in the offseason? I mean, if we, we've been talking locally about the potential of trading for a guy like Nolan Arenado for, I think, five years at this point, and he's making $30 million a year. For things like that, transactions like that, how big of an effect could this season have without having fans in the stands for the Cardinals? It will have an effect over the next two to four years without a question. Here's why I'm saying it. You don't want to be in a position where you've got liabilities going forward when you don't understand what your assets will be. So to put it in very simple terms, I don't know how quickly fans will come back to Bush Stadium. I don't know how quickly fans will pay what they had been paying for a ticket or what the capacity will be or what will happen with concessions or parking or any of the other ways that we make money off our fans. I don't know how those will exist. Therefore, I cannot promise to pay players going into the future at the rate I had until I understand how my business has changed. And I'm not going to know that for a year at least. Okay, so the, now flipping the switch just a little bit here, I want to talk about the small market teams and that that like you said, they they survive off the revenue sharing. How is that going to affect a team like the Marlins, even the Tampa Bay Rays, and teams that really need the help from their big brother, so to say, around the league? Are they at risk then of becoming a, a you know a, a team in bankruptcy that the league's going to have to try and save? No, I don't think they're at risk of bankruptcy. I think they're at risk of even lower payrolls. So when the Marlins have their payroll, let's say it's $80 million, whatever it is it was going to be this year, that was assuming a certain level of revenue sharing. What you will see is that teams will have to trade players before a season starts because they're going to need to have a lower payroll. The only way I would ever agree to keep my payroll the same after this pandemic is if I had a guaranteed revenue stream from other teams or from the league where I could maybe even borrow more money than I'm allowed to under the debt rules in baseball. There had to be some way to fund this payroll that 
now that I don't have revenue sharing and I don't have fans, I don't have any gate, even however small it is in Miami, I have no choice but to lower payroll. You're seeing teams furlough employees already. The Marlins aren't the only one. But furloughing employees won't be the only way to save money. They'll have to move payroll. But then if I could just say one more thing, who's going to take these players? In other years, you've got big market teams always willing to take on money because we would give them a player and take back nothing in return. Mm-hmm. We'd take a bag of balls or a crappy minor <laughs> leaguer who never had a chance just to give away the money. We're talking with David Sampson. He's a former president for the Miami Marlins. I actually kind of wanted to go down that path with you, David, because, I mean, look at a guy like Mookie Betts, for instance. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He's one of the best players in baseball what is it going to look like for him when he hits free agency with an uncertain future for baseball? So who would you rather be today? Would you rather be Christian Yelich, who everyone made fun of for signing the extension that he signed? Or would you rather be Mookie Betts? Oh, you Christian Yelich, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even a question, right? So Mookie Betts has a problem. There is no way that any team, any team is going to give a $330 million contract And he wanted to surpass Bryce Harper, but it's not going to even be close. It is the worst timing for him. JT Realamuto from Philadelphia wanted to beat out uh, Buster Posey and um, Joe Maurer from the Twins. That's not going to happen. And it's not because owners are purposely keeping salaries down. It's because with this economic uncertainty, it is basically financial negligence to give out those type of contracts now. David, let me follow up on that because something that I've been proposing for Cardinals fans in recent days because of all of this is put the Nolan Arenado thing to the back of your mind. I I don't think that's likely in the offseason because of that salary that we've been talking about. And maybe shift your sights to instead a guy like Francisco Lindor who has one year left on his deal. He's got an arbitration year and then he'll hit free agency. David, I I have proposed that I think he's going to get less money than he was probably going to get otherwise because of all of this. And maybe that ultimately presents an opportunity for the Cardinals. What do you think about that? Yeah, I love where your head's at. I also love the fact that if Marcelo Zuna had known then what he knows now, he would have made different decisions and may have still been a Cardinal. I think that you're going to be looking at much shorter-term deals, and that will impact who gets qualifying offers and who doesn't. I think that smaller revenue teams like the Indians will have no choice but to trade their best players multiple years before free agency because of the need to get back quality in return to keep building your team. So the window to win with your best players becomes shorter for the smaller revenue teams. And teams like St. Louis are in a great position to capitalize on that and get Lindor from the Indians. It's a great thought. And if you can get him, you can sign him to a two- or three-year deal and try to keep him, or you play him out for the two years and let him go. But I think those are the type of trades that the Marlins can't make, but teams like the Cardinals can. Talking to David Sampson here on Ribs and BK, former president of the Miami Marlins, I have a final question for you today. In 2014, you were on a little game show called Survivor. Now, unfortunately, uh, one of the first ones voted off. Now, you're, guy, you're a guy that likes to think about things and analyze things. Analyze your performance on the show, and maybe why were you the first guy to go, David? So, I appreciate you watching my 42 minutes on Survivor. <laughs> that was... Uh... Luckily, I don't uh, think about it every single day. I think that if I had to do it again, I did two things wrong. Uh, The first one was not my, I didn't realize, but we didn't know it was going to be brains versus bronze versus beauty. 
We had no idea what the theme of the season was. And I had seen the cast. We had flown to the Philippines. I had seen that there were beautiful women and, and Cliff Robinson and Tony Vlacos. We didn't know their names. I knew who Cliff was. And uh, when the tribes were divided, I looked around and said, What's, this is interesting. How is this going to work? Then when Jeff Probst said, welcome to brains versus bronze versus beauty, and I was wearing a blazer and an ascot like Thurston frickin' Howard, <laughs> I said, that's it. I better enjoy my three days on the island because that's all I'm going to get. And that's how it happened. <laughs> He's David Sampson. He's a former president of the Miami Marlins. He's now the host of Nothing Personal Podcast for CBS Sports. David, last thing for you. Do you think we're going to have baseball starting on July 4th? No, I do not. I'm hoping for August. I think we can get an 81-game season in. I think that we need time to get the collective bargaining agreement changed. I think we need to get the health protocols put in place. I think getting 81 games is critical because that's the least you can have and still have a season with playoffs after that. And I'm very, very hopeful. And it will require a lot of work and patience and no more twitching from the players because I think it's hurtful, not helpful. David Sampson, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Have a great day. Thanks. Absolutely. You too. That is David Sampson, the former president of the Miami Marlins, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So, let, let me put this out on the front end because we did get a text. 65780 is their comfort service text line. This guy sounds just like an owner. Well, he is the stepson, if I'm not mistaken, either stepson or son-in-law, something like that. He's related to the former Marlins owner. So that's how he came in to be well, in baseball. Too. And he was the president for, so he was on the business side of things for the Marlins. So if you're hearing that, that's where it's coming from. I did want to have him on because I think it's interesting to hear that perspective. Mm-hmm. Because these owners have thoughts as well. We've heard the player side. Let's hear what the owners are thinking right now he's got a little bit of insight into that and everything he said is kind of what we've been talking about lowered end teams these teams that are the lower financial realm they're gonna have to start selling off these players i personally like him because he loved my idea to trade for francisco lindor said it's a great thought you're gonna have him on like every week now aren't he's you? now gonna become a weekly recurring guest I find it really interesting, man the way that he's talking about baseball owners operating in the next few years it's not a one-season thing. This is going to be, he said, two to four years that we're talking about here. He also said that we probably won't have baseball until August. I'm just going to run over that thing because hopefully it's July. He also said something that sparked a real interest in my brain. It made me think to myself, there's never a better time for this to happen. We'll get to that. We come back Whoa! here on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.